0: We are back season three, episode one. I am Mr. Fig and I'm Mr. Locke. And this is Fig and Lock Coast and Coast season three. Uh welcome back. Happy New Year twenty twenty three. How you doing over there, Mr. Lock? How was your holidays?
1: My holidays was great. Uh you know, it, it's uh the seven five seven and the whole North Carolina, Virginia area. We had we dealt with extreme cold weather at the beginning of December. And then Christmas rolled around, it slid on up to like, it was like Christmas time was cold, and then the week after, we got up to 70 degrees. So in two weeks, you get, you're get getting winter, you're getting spring, you're getting fall. So we, we got a little bit, everything was great. Um, got to see the family, spend time with them, and uh, relax, and it was nice. It was very nice. Yes. You know, how about you? How was your holidays in Oahu?
0: It was good, man. Um, you know, that's, one thing, I, that's, that's the one thing I don't miss about living over there is the transitional weather zone where you're just constantly day in, day out, guessing what the weather's going to be like. Um, you know, I, humble brag, it doesn't get much hotter than 92 here. and It doesn't get much colder than, you know, 72. And the water temperature is always a comfortable, like 72, 73 degrees. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had um, over the holidays, we had a lot of time off. Uh, Spent some time at the beach. Um, and then uh, the big thing here is New Year's. Um, I didn't get a chance to witness it last year uh, because of some work stuff. But this year, I got a chance to witness it. And uh, at New at New Year's, the locals, they find a variety of different ways to get fireworks. Like legit fireworks. Not like your typical backyard fireworks. We're talking major Fireworks, and as soon as and they start popping them off, like you'll hear them popping off onesies and twosies, probably starting around Christmas. You'll just start kind of hear every now like at every night around like eight o'clock, one or two will just kind of pop off. And then on New Year's Eve, starting around one o'clock, you'll just start hearing them pop, 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 pop. And then as soon as that ball drops at twelve o'clock, dude, the entire city lights up in fireworks. People just like lighting fireworks Jesus. left and right. It's insane. We went up to our my work building, which has a great view of Pearl Harbor and uh, IEA. So we live, at, we live in Aiea, which is on the northern part of Pearl Harbor. And you can just see like fireworks all around the perimeter of the harbor. And it's like that all over the island. Like you go – if I were to go over the mountain into Kailua – fireworks. If I was to go down to Honolulu, fireworks. Go to the west side of the island where the locals really live, major fireworks. And and it's just nonstop. Like we're talking like finale like when you watch a fireworks display, you get the big finale, right? At the like you know, at yeah. the end there. Imagine yeah, yeah, the yeah finale, a finale level show going for 30 minutes straight. That's just what you what you experience in Hawaii for on, on new years and then and it continues now this year like last year like i heard the fireworks actually went on till about three in the morning this year maybe because of inflation i don't know what but it didn't seem to go it kind of like it kind of fizzled out by about 1 two o'clock but yeah it's pretty intense um it's a good time though
1: let me tell you something all right inflation is not a real thing right now because things <laughs> make it imagination more expensive. i'm sorry I, i'm just i'm just saying it, it is a it is a it is a boogeyman word because let me tell you i went inside i was like living mole yesterday all right first time i've been there in ages mm-hmm. so i'm kind of like wow that's still here that's still here but it was busy in there like the apple store was packed Sephora, i mean they might have been they were buying perfume and makeup as if it was the apocalypse about to happen <laughs> the food court was humming it was like it, it was lot going on and it was just and um i told my wife i was like man it's like almost pre-covid here like people are sitting down you can see these people they don't know each other but they're sitting really close to each other on opposite ends of the couch i'm like this is amazing like it's really wild it like seeing some stores are there some aren't there you know and people are buying like people are shopping I don't there. know so it's kind of like, like
0: oh so apparently it's somewhat there because um so apparently according to the chamber of commerce here in Hawaii they were not able to fill the ho- the hotels like they were last christmas last christmas dude, Hawaii's last christmas, expensive th- what's that Hawaii's expensive well that's true um but uh, <laughs> I tell you what man the last christmas the The week before the holiday, this place was insane. Like there, you couldn't get into a restaurant or into like a, somewhere for brunch or whatever. There, the beaches were packed. It was outrageous. This year, it's been a little more. It, I mean, there was still uh, there still an observable uptick in in tourism, but uh, it wasn't to the extent that we saw last year, and, and, and that's confirmed by the numbers that we've seen. But even still, yeah, you're right. You know, Hawaii is expensive. And on top of it, there's the airfare situation. Like, and I, I yes. think we'd, we were kind of alluding to this as maybe a potential topic. This, But this whole situation with the airlines and them overbooking flights, not having enough pilots, not having uh, enough airplanes, apparently. Like, my folks, my folks, and they were flying Delta. Uh, so, and their flight got canceled because they didn't have air, pilots and air crew and an airplane to get them out here. So, they had to move a day. Um, Marcy was telling me that apparently the Southwest situation, which I haven't really been following that closely, but apparently had to do with their their flight scheduling software. Like, correct? Yeah. So like they like the the software they use to schedule air to match air crews and aircraft and flights was all gooned up, and that caused a. See major... what
1: happened? So like I won't go into like the deep meat and potatoes of it, but like just a good summary of how it works is Southwest Airlines. Unlike, uh, unlike Delta and United and stuff like that, they they run they do their things differently. Where if you're at your airport and you're fighting United, and then all of a sudden your plane is delayed because there's an engine problem or something like that, your flight technically might they might not cancel your flight yet. They'll might tell you to move gates. You're like, all right, you need to go to this gate because the plane you're supposed to ride on we're sending you to this plane over here, and yeah, then yeah. you're gonna keep trickling back. They're gonna keep trying to figure it out, and the problem is that with the weather that we had, it's really extreme cold weather we had a couple of weeks ago, yep, Tracking. it caused a lot of delays in flights. So Southwest, unfortunately, they don't do it like that. Southwest is like this plane is your plane, and this plane doesn't go here, and then that plane jump. They use that plane. They have it's like they don't have enough planes and how they do mm. things. So it's very archaic, which is kind of weird how they do it. So if one plane is delayed, you're mm. delaying everybody else. And the problem is that damn near half their fleet was delayed because of the weather. So then you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people are being delayed on flights. Millions of dollars of flights was actually being canceled. And uh, it got so serious that uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg, he came on television and he was saying that uh, if they don't, if they didn't fix giving refunds to people and making it right. So whatever that is, uh, making it right that they can get fines from the, the White House so the trans the Transportation Administration could, could give them like millions of dollars of uh, fines, fining them on top of that for doing wrong like that, which is kind of very interesting. That the I've learned a little more about government, so I was like, that's interesting they could do that and they help try to regulate that. But Southwest, because how they do things, it played it. And there seems like there was a very what makes it worse is that if you run a business or anything like that, if you're in the business field, guys, you know you want to get ahead of the game. You want to get ahead of the problem and be upfront about it. The CEO, you he don't hear anybody talk about it. They're kind of, things are happening and they're just kind of like, uh-huh, we're not, we're going to hit back and we're going to accept these big pay raises and there's not enough people and not enough planes and we're not, no other planes come anywhere because that's how the system, how they do it. So that's the issue that they had with it
0: there, which is crazy. It is crazy, especially since like, I mean, the, the airline industry is, I've always, I've always felt like the airline industry is a very fickle thing. And what's unfortunate is that it is it is probably the one of the few sectors of the economy that it is so subjected to how the economy is doing, right? Like the economy is doing really well. The airlines are going to, like, demand airline demand goes through the roof and there's becomes this like scramble to either to buy more jets, get more fuel, make room for more passengers, you know, cuz it becomes the lifeblood of the economy, not just from a tourism perspective, but from, you know, business people need to travel, they need to get from New York to LA or they need to get from, you know, Chicago to Miami or whatever the case may be because there's there's business moves that have to happen. And then at the same time, if the if the economy goes tits up, it's also they're the first ones to take the big hit because then nobody's traveling anymore. Like COVID is a great example. You know, I mean, people learned found a way to commute to, to conduct business over places like Zoom and online, and so no one's traveling anymore. So now they have to find a way to cut costs. Well, how do you cut costs? You you uh, you you shut down. You, you you eliminate old airplanes, right? You have airplanes that have got thousands and thousands of hours on them. They get expensive to maintain over time. Well, let's cut the fleet, or we've got we've got pilots that. You, you know, that, you know, we need to we need to cut because we're not we don't have hours to give them anymore. And it, and then but, but unfortunately, right at the tail of covid, you had all these people that saved a ton of money and, you know, the economy opened back up again. And now that here we are, the airlines are scrambling right now to get back on their feet, which which sucks is because I promise you a recession is on the coat is, is on the coattails of this. It's going to happen. And it, the airlines are going to have to cut make cuts again. It's, it's a real inter, interesting industry to be a part of. Um, and if you just happen to catch in the wrong time, you know, if, the, if, if all the Swiss cheese lines up, like it did on Christmas where you got enough, you got enough, you got bad weather, you've got a poorly maintained, you know, uh, it software system, and then you've got, you know, antiquated, you know, um, scheduling practices, as you mentioned. And it's just, it's just a, it's just a recipe for a disaster, you know, and you would think by now, I mean, the airline industry is relatively young. You know, I mean, um, I mean, people can still remember flying Pan Am, for example. I mean, that's still fresh in the memory of most people. But at the same time, it still is, it is becoming, slowly becoming the lifeblood of every, of the global economy. So you would think they would do a better job getting ahead of issues like this.
1: Correct. It's just, I don't know, the the fact that there is a strong need for flights, people want to, travel people got money people are spending people want to go on vacation some are cooped up it's uh it is definitely an issue where the there's only so many planes i mean it's i i don't know i don't I mean, really you're have never
0: you're you're never gonna you're never gonna escape maintenance issues those are always gonna happen you're gonna have down aircraft yes. that's always gonna happen yes um you never like you you know you you hope that you have enough pilots, but you're you're never going to escape the fact that a pilot get, that when a pilot gets sick or an air crewman gets sick, that's going to happen. Like the you know you try to you, there there are those things you just simply cannot there are those mitigating factors that you simply cannot eliminate. But you know, um, and and unfortunately the the, the airlines do need to kind of balance this like. Air, aircraft are not cheap. Right. So for every aircraft they buy, that's more man, maintenance, manpower and man, they got to put behind it. And then, of course, oil is not cheap right now either. So it, it, like if you want to like like how do you keep ticket prices at a reasonable level, you know, while fighting the fact that you're short aircraft and your fuel costs are expensive. So it, it's there's no real easy answer to it other than that. Hey, these these wrinkles are going to occur, you know, and um. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the the airlines are honest enough to be like, "Hey, we screwed up, so we're either gonna re- refund you the money, or we're gonna give you an a, an ass ton of uh, you know frequent flyer mile- miles and hope you know, or a voucher or something. Who knows?
1: That's the problem. I think that could be a problem because it's a monopoly right now. If it, I think if there was more uh open market for larger companies to get their feet in the door and do that you got it but you know Southwest alright we're banging on Southwest but Southwest uh, they don't have flights everywhere you know you can't take a Southwest flight to like to Newport News or Virginia Beach or or like Norfolk you can't well you can fly out of Norfolk and Southwest but you can't like uh, but there's certain spots like you can't out of Dallas you can't fly out of Southwest you can fly Houston I thought, there, I thought
0: Dallas. Southwest had a hub in Dallas Fort Worth all right, I've
1: got my, I might got them twisted because it might be then. All right, Dallas. I think they're twisted. out of it's Texas. One, actually, <laughs> it's one of them. One of them are not. One of them is not because I, my last company I worked for, we had a Southwest flight out of there, but then we were like, oh, let's do it again. Like, oh, we don't do out of this, out of this. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I mean, it, it's not. It's it, the major players are there. I haven't, I've never rode JetBlue before. JetBlue is a very popular brand. Um, you know, yeah, Spirit, which is a sad situation, looks like. It's the ghetto form of flying, but it's very popular because it's the quote unquote affordable flying option. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I think maybe it just comes down to maybe they should have booked as many flights as they do. They need to chill back and then make it, it makes it harder for you to fly. I, and it essentially, it will, um, us as consumers, we have to book our flights sooner. We can't be like, I need a last minute flight. Da, 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 da. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to book it out so to make sure we have these flights on time. Because well, nothing worse and nothing worse than trying to be to be stuck. You're like, I'm trying to fly back and I booked this last minute flight and then now the people with South, Southwest situation, like they were stuck for days. You know, and if you have to go back to work, you can't go back to work. Some people could lose their job. And yeah. or you have to pay for arrangements for hotels that they probably don't have money for or paying for eating out. There's a lot of expenses they have to incur for dealing with that and it's hard for southwest to try to mitigate that because you can't control all of that all the tidal wave all those problems you'll get just by missing missing not just one flight but shit a whole board of them
0: yeah i mean i think so aviation normally is pretty good about learning major lessons and it is a business but i think I mean, to your point. I don't mean to play devil's advocate. I, I think it's harder than saying we need, to, you know, we need to open the floodgate, open the gates a little bit because it's not, unfortunately, owning an aircraft isn't cheap, right? I mean, because you can. I mean, there there are other smaller, more private firms you can use, right? But the smaller you get, the more expensive it gets, right? Because, like, you know, a regional Learjet, you know, is is pretty expensive cost because the the way that the airlines are even able to make a ticket manageable is that they offer large aircraft with an abundance of seating um and enough of those large aircraft that you you can you know that the the, the demand is able to meet the or the supply is able to meet the demand so you know owning an aircraft getting you know leasing a, a location on an airfield to store said aircraft and then hiring maintainers and you know being able to purchase parts and everything else it's not it's not cheap. I mean, so either you have to have an abundance of capital to even consider opening your own airline, and that's just regional, right? Like, like if you want to just open an airline that can go from like Baltimore to New York, you know, not at that like a regional airline. That's still a that's a big lift. That's a really big lift. Um, That's why a lot of, a lot of regional airlines, they, they start off in some independent and then they become part of like the United Alliance, for example, where they are, you know, so that they can help get more capital to help fund those smaller regional jets. Um, So, I mean, the only way I can see that even being a potential solution would be the government would have to find a way to subsidize like small, like small aircraft companies. And I don't think they're going to, they're willing to do that, but I I don't know. It's interesting. I I mean, It's an interesting problem um you know air, air obviously air travel is never going to go away and it's only going to become more and more necessary as a, i mean the, the global economy has made the world smaller but you know you mean hopefully stuff like zoom and you know and um can help alleviate some of that because we have discovered in COVID that you don't necessarily have to be like we used, i remember in, in, for my work we used to have two conferences a year where we'd come together in like either san diego or somewhere and we learned via COVID that it wasn't necessary. Like you could do that same conference over a video call, and save the company a bunch of money. So thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so
1: one subject I want to talk about is the palace intrigue of uh, the Congress we had this past week. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah. the gavel and then the the fight, <laughs> the absolute fight for congress here among republicans um i was like uh streaming this uh, i was in bed with my wife and like we were going to bed and i was like i gotta see this vote here because this vote's like on the 14th vote 11 o'clock at night and then all right i'll I'll stay for the 15th vote i'm just like staying up it's like how many votes can you keep how many times can you do that because it doesn't make sense but he got across the finish line Uh, As he says, not how you start, it's how you finish. I could beg to differ, but
0: uh, it was wild. What what's your opinion on that? So I mean, I think it's. So I think it's interesting about it is it, it. It illustrates or displays to the American people how divided the Republican Party really has become. And I but I don't know how much of that is really about like true ideology. How much of it is actual showboating, um, and how much of it it really is this you know this neoconservatism? It's it's weird, right? Like so, for example, in the Democratic Party, there's there's there is division in the Democratic Party as well, right? Like we saw yeah. Joe Manchin fight Joe Biden and the Democrats at every opportunity, right? In the first in the last two years, you know, and I think he's even I, I think. I can't remember if he did or not, but I know that – I think he or – he did. He may have actually it was, uh, declared himself an independent or somebody did that was a Democrat that did. No, no, no.
1: That's uh, the lady from Arizona.
0: Yeah, Kristen Cinema. But the point is like yes. there's there, – every party – each of the parties has major divi- – has division, right? Um, I think what's unique about the Republican situation though is that the division here seems to be about – more about – uh Trump Republicanism and this new right republicanism versus mainstream and moderate Republicanism. Whereas the Democratic Party, it's either you're ultra progressive or you're moderate. And it's it's like uh, the divisions are more about like, hey, we feel like the government doesn't go far enough in in um in, in like in like uh, fighting the climate or alleviating student debt or cre- creating civil liberties right so it's not that the, the, the that they're that they don't align with what the party platform is they just feel like it doesn't go far enough right whereas the Republican party yeah. is more it seems like the division of the Republican Party seem more about like hey uh, we, don't like you are not like we we believe that our party is not extreme enough um and that um it is not it doesn't seem to be aligned with Trump politics enough as opposed to like what is our platform and how far how like how far right should we go in trying to enact that platform and it seems like a lot of the A a lot of the infighting is more about like, well, this Republican went out like went against Trump on this issue, so we need to block that Republican at every possible cost. So it's really, it seems like it's more personality driven than it is more about like, how do we actually execute our platform? Is that does any of that make sense? Does that speak right? Does that sound right? Like, I I mean, you, am I conveying? I was just saying.
1: I think. I hear what you're saying. I uh, I think I view it a little differently. Mm-hmm. I see it as uh, you have, because you kind of split the Republican part, Party up into four parts, and I think what happens is, I think there's three, and the three parts that's happening right now in the House is you have you have the Republicans, you have the Republican Party right as a whole, and then you have that one piece that is their they call the moderate, regular, conservative. Then you have the people that are a little bit harder. They're more of a harder right, they're like, hey, this is how we do it. And you have the in their part and that part of that subnet I'm talking about, you have the major players. You have the players that's been there for a while. And they're like, redo th-. Then you have that third. And that third tier is your Matt Gates, uh, Laura, the MTGs. They're like they want uh, they want to be big players. And they have, their them also with the Freedom Caucus, they are kind of exacting their will because they know there are 20 of them now. And because they won the House by such a small, slim margin, you need their votes. And so, for them to get across the finish line, they had to give a lot of concessions. And right now, we don't know what it's going to look like. We're going to see what it looks like tomorrow, on Monday and Tuesday, when they start doing the committees. But some of the major things they were saying is they wanted – because the Freedom Caucus, I guess a lot of the members of the Freedom Caucus were not a part of the big uh, – a lot of the committees. The big one, they wanted to be part of the Rules Committee because the Rules and Means Committee is the one that actually brings bills to the floor.
0: Right. And
1: they, like, only have two members of 30, you know, and they're upset about their number. But it's, like, 200-something members. So what are you guys talking about? But at the same time, they want to have a bigger hand in how – What, how, or what bills are getting put to the floor? How the meats or how the hot dogs are being made, and they're just upset about it. And now they pretty much pit this guy, Kevin McCarthy here, Kevin Owen McCarthy, at a has a stranglehold on him. Like he's just you're speaker of the house, but he's almost there. It's going to be he's uh, what's the word looking for? He's just a figurehead. He's just a person. You know what I mean? A la a President Biden. Hey, man, you could want what you want, Biden, but these two houses have to get this to your desk. You have some powers you could do, but to make real things happen, you have to have the people of re- the, these other houses to make it work. And unfortunately for him, Kevin McCarthy's in a bad spot because he has to make concessions. And if he concessions too much with the right, with the hardliners, that 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 20 people or even the middle group i talked about that big swath of people the regular conservative republicans that got in there in swing states a la virginia beach the young lady who just got who's got her spot you know she beat uh, elaine Lori i forgot her name right now as i'm talking but she won, you know, and Virginia Beach is like that seat in the SFI-7 area, it's a swing seat like I've seen it go, it was Republican for the longest time under Barack Obama and then, you know after when Biden got in, then they became Democrat, and now Biden's in now it's Republican again, the seat swings and she could be two years in and then be out in two years because what happens with these hardliners because people of Virginia Beach might feel that there she's not representing her they're not rep- she's not representing them and she has no power based off the other people there and it's other moderate tr- tr- um conservatives that are going to be stuck if they don't do that so the only way to get out of this if he had Kim mccarthy has to truly kind of govern and actually reach across the aisle here and get democrats to vote with him you know, and, that, and, that's the, and that's the hard part because if he does that, then he got a Republican, and they're going to drum him out. So
0: it's – I don't know. It's, it's such a well, it's I think, such palace well, intrigue. I think he has to reach across the aisle for no other reason than otherwise there no, no legislation will get passed. Right. I mean, and, and that's – I mean, I, I know a lot – I mean, you can look at it from a, a Democrat perspective of, oh, we're screwed. We'll never get any of our agenda passed, but you can also look at it from a Republican standpoint of, well – Republicans control the house no legislation got passed and that's gonna look bad on us so right how are you gonna run on that he, like he has to he, they have to reach across the aisle uh, and compromise on some issues otherwise the next two years will nothing nothing will happen N- like no, no like no Republican agenda will get a, get accomplished and no democratic agenda will get accomplished there's gonna have well to the be
1: Republican issues. agenda is to is the Biden it's, it's, sure. all yeah. well, no, so well, it's all about Biden no so it's all about like
0: you could, you could argue, obviously say like they're so, gonna do all that of course they're gonna do all that that's that's political showmanship what I'm talking about like yeah. as far as making yeah. real policy that matters right like um, you mm-hmm.
1: know if
0: they, if they actually want to reform health care like they've been saying for the last you know six years like if, they, if that's an, if that's a real agenda item that they want to do they have to have real discussions across the aisle with the democratically controlled Senate, which, oh, by the way, is still the more powerful house. Oh yeah. So like, they still, they they still have the power to confirm cabinet members and confirm federal judges and all those things. Like that's still the more powerful house. So there has to be some compromise here um, in order for the Republicans to get anything done. But the same thing for the, on the democratic side too, right? Like, while the Senate can introduce bills, it still needs to reha- they, that bill still has to go yeah, through committee in the House too. Right. So like, there's gonna have to be compromise on both sides, otherwise, no- nothing will get happen. I actually have to think Biden is actually, you know, again, regardless how you feel about the guy, I still think he's probably the best president to be in this position, because of the fact that he is fairly moderate, moderate, he has been able to kind of skirt. Or he's been able to avoid being labeled as a real progressive. Um, I think his 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 actions at the border right now clearly demonstrate the fact that he is not a progressive. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, absolutely. I think
0: not. if there's any president who can who can actually manage both these houses so that some things get done in the next two years, he's probably the best guy. And I, and I tell you what, if he can find a way to navigate these waters, he sets himself up for re-election if he discern, decides to run or for whoever he passes the baton to to potentially win. Um, but it really depends on how well they manage the situation. Um, but to your points earlier about McCarthy, yeah, you're right. He's not he's not Nancy Pelosi, right? Like Nancy Pelosi, like she was very – like she could almost be the Democratic whip, even though they, were, they had a Democratic whip, because she knew right. how to keep the, the party in line. She knew how to like to, to keep the ultra progressives in line and making sure that they see that ha- compromise has to happen if we want to make anything happen. She knew how to. She had her arms around the party and, like you know, and you rarely saw anyone ever pe- speak out against that.
1: Well, I'm not it, so well sure I mean, McCarthy Nancy. I...
0: Uh, Tim, my hat to Nancy Pelosi because she had
1: that two years ago. If we go back two years ago, and you saw the squad appear. You know, and they were like, Watch out for these progressives, they're gonna control Nancy Pelosi, blah 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 and then it was some drama and then she squashed it. Yeah. And the squad voted with her every single time. It was like, Look, it's how it goes. And they they went right along with it. So yeah, Nancy Pelosi's there. And I mean I'm, I'm pretty sure she's there. As she passed the Gavel, now we have you have a Jeffries uh first. Yeah, she well she she already
0: said that even if they did get the house back she didn't want to be speaker anymore, I think. But um, yeah, but I mean, the so point that, is that's like amazing. There. But yeah. she knew, but she was a real leader in that party, and she really understood how to make sure that they functioned well in the House. And I, I don't know if McCarthy has that same level of um, leadership or uh, credibility inside his party. And I, I think part of the fact is part is due to fact that some some of these House Republicans that have been elected, are so extreme um and correct. they don't really bring a ton to the table other than the fact that they are republican um i you know you could arguably say the same thing about some of the democrats on the house side but correct you know i think uh, for example a lot of people like they, they like to pick on Casio cortez you know but from what i understand she does the work she gets in there and does the work she's very smart she does her research and she does the work i don't know if i can say the same thing about marjorie taylor green because like, for her, it's more about – at least from my perspective, it seems more about political showboating. I haven't right. looked up her, her – I haven't really looked up her record, but I would be curious to know if she's actually introduced a bill to the House. Hey, you know, I know she doesn't sit I, I know she doesn't lead any committees because they censored the crap out of her because of her behavior. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you know, but, but because she represents a very small segment of her uh, – of the, of the United States population that aligns with her behavior – She's gonna be around. Um, so it's I don't not know. even
1: the fact that she represents a small piece, but like you're talking about these some the extreme people, the people that are we as we label extreme here, they're in guaranteed seats, of course,
0: yeah, because they're and that's the, and that's the yeah this they, they, district has it's it's been like,
1: gerrymandered. Yeah. You're in it. They're in it. Like Matt Gantz, Matt Gantz. I'm not sure if I say his name right, but he's not going anywhere. Nope. Just, he there's he runs almost damn near unopposed. And he got it. Molly Taylor Greene's section is, it's always been a dead red area. She beat a person and then got in that spot. Uh, Laura came close to losing. So, but it's again, she's in a Republican domain. So it happens. And some Democrats are like, and and same thing for Democrats. There's Democrats that are in spots where they can't lose, where like their Congress seat is guaranteed for them. You know, if you have the Congress seat for Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, Georgia. You're guaranteed. You're a guaranteed Democrat. You know what I mean. You're you're guaranteed going to Congress. So it's definitely interesting how that works. I'm convinced that Joe Biden, some of that like that like nonchalant. I don't know what's going on. I'm the grandfather who's just. I'm not sure what's happening. Is an act sometimes. I swear, because for him, him to, you don't get to be president be and not be. Sides.
0: You don't get to be president and not have. And, and, and be at least have some street smarts, right? Correct. Like he has and, it. Yeah, I mean, he, first, I mean, he's obviously a very capable politician. He's obviously very intelligent. He's been around for a while. He's got a ton of experience, right? Um, you know, right. some people would say, you know, George W. Bush, you know, was a bit aloof, but again, like, clearly, he has some political acumen. Um, he obviously displayed some level of leadership. Otherwise, we wouldn't have elected him for two straight terms. Um, you know, and, you know, regardless how you feel about the, some things that happened under the Bush presidency, I think history will, well, history might actually be a little kinder to him than I think, um, we think, you know, and even Trump, like there's some, there's some things to be said about Trump too. Like, I mean, again, he's a very shrewd, he's a, he's a very shrewd in, uh, politician. He knows how, he knows how to, you know, manipulate the crowds. Um, he, uh, you could say that he, he whipped his party, like his party, yeah. He he told them what to do. They did it. So I mean, these people aren't you know you know they're not um, uh, they're not incapable you know and I think you right. know people you know people you know oftentimes give Joe a hard, such a hard time about you know his age and like you know Sleepy Joe and all that stuff. But I mean, for all intents purposes, as you mentioned, like we we keep talking about inflation and like it's the boogeyman. It it, it really it, it kind of is you know I mean, and there Repu- there's a reason why the Republicans didn't gain a ton of seats because. They ran on a platform. They ran on this idea that well, the economy is is not great. Well, that's not true. We're creating. I just there was a report that came out the other day that said we just created a ton more jobs. um, yep. You know, uh, in the country, like job growth is huge right now. It's um, and the, there's the actually reason, a reason lot inflation. more
1: jobs. It unemployment's lowering. Yeah. And there's a lot more jobs because because people are spending money and people are going out there is lots of jobs you yeah. can drive um, around anywhere and see now hiring people are looking for people yeah jobs if the are... problem is that the problem is that the the pay wage and the jobs aren't at, at aren't adding up so that's the thing sure yeah i mean right.
0: obviously there there there's still gains to be made in in um you know um, cost of living and uh, minimum wage yes. and, and, and match and matching those things um but at the same time, jobs are available, people are spending money, that's why inflation is running away, because the supply simply can't keep up with the demand. I mean, it's basic economics, you know. What I mean so yeah. um but I, I think I think to his credit, I, I think he has done a much better job than I think people are willing to give are willing to give him credit for, regardless of what you think of, of his approval rating right now or what it's been. History
1: will look history will look well upon him.
0: Oh, absolutely! Because for yeah. a guy who was
1: first term in, and you lose that little bit of seats, that's it's impressive, and you actually kept the Senate. That's yeah. that's uh, you know me. A tip hat to Joe on that one. I was like,
0: okay, yeah. Joe. All right, you you
1: are right, you got going mean,
0: on Joe? I, 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 I gotta say, I mean, it, well. I mean, everything is relative, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's probably been the least controversial president we've had in a while. Um, so I mean, uh, says a lot. That is not, that's not a big accomplishment.
1: That's like, what I'm saying. It, mean, it, one of the most controversial. That's what I'm saying. Like, like it's,
0: it's everything's relative, right? So yeah. Right. Um. Uh. And but I guess what, I guess what I, what I mean by that too though is even some of the policies that we've enacted that have been enacted have not been super controversial, right? Like under Obama, correct? You know, I mean. Universal health care was extremely controversial, um, you know, stuff like, you know, uh, well, we recently legalized gay marriage officially, but before, uh, under the Obama administration, I mean, they did it under a Supreme Court ruling, but even still, that's pretty controversial. Like There was a lot more controversial um, and progressive gains made during the Obama administration that I think made it, is what enabled Trump to get elected here i think what we're seeing is we're actually seeing i mean i think i think republicans want to paint these as progressive actions but the infrastructure bill is not progressive it's a moderate it's a moderate bill and enough republicans were smart enough to realize that yes i need to vote for this because it's money mcconnell was
1: (laughs) like mcconnell was like on it like they just literally this past week at the bridge in like kentucky and he's out there shaking his hand out there so it's like that's a photo op of Biden and McConnell shaking their hands from this bridge that's going to rebuild, and Kentucky needs a bunch of things repaired. and McConnell's like, uh, yeah, this bill's good. So saying, <laughs> you so you like, might not be here, but I'll be here."
0: And, and I think even too, like, I mean, I'm sure some conservatives would would argue that you know, um, you know, f- f- legal, the legalization of, of of gay marriage. I'm sure there's a, a lot of the religious right. I'm sure is not happy about that, but I think enough people right. in the United States. Have become so accustomed to, they know enough gay people in their lives, and they know enough interracial married people too, which is crazy to me because I never really, it never occurred to me that my parents' marriage might not be legal in some places, so like, or at least uh, at least recognized as such in some places. So like, um, I think enough people know enough interracial marriages or couples, and enough homosexual couples, to begin to realize that like this is not a fight that needs to happen anymore. Like this has real, very real impacts on people's lives. And we don't allow this to happen. And that's why enough Republicans voted for it. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, as we mentioned before, I think history will look very kindly on, I think history will look very kindly on this administration and not only this administration, but also the Congress that was in place. And I know historically people hate Congress. Like I think every, if you were to pull, most Americans I think Congress always comes out on the bottom. But, you know, I think Nancy Pelosi understood that we can't if we if we go too progressive, we are going to alienate a huge part of the country because, you know, Biden and the Biden, and the Democrat and the rest of the Democrats they did not get elected on a mandate like it was a very narrow margin. Um, And they know that they they had to bring the pull pull the pendulum back to the center. So what can we put in? What policies can we enact that bring that pendulum back to the center? And I think they've done a really nice job. McCarthy's going to have to do the same thing, and the divisions in his party are going to make it a lot more difficult to do that.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's going to be difficult for him because these the hardliners, the people like you said, the people that voted for people that are okay with. Doing away with gay marriage, even though it's a wildly popular thing, or doing away with interracial marriage, which is sounds wild you you think. But there's there some hardliners out there that feel that it should be a thing, and that should not be a thing, and they're going to have to whip these votes to make something happen because we're going to have to. They're going to, have to vote on a spending bill. That's already and, done. The spending bill is already well. Yes, the next one. Right there. now it is, but the next one. Yeah, the so next, they have to figure that out, and it's interesting because they want to uh, make it. They want to make it more out in the open, so people would know what's in it or blah blah blah. And they want to cut spending, defense spending, which is a very interesting t- t- tactic for Republican Party. Because I thought they're all about defense spending, but I'm like, okay, guess not. But I guess that most of defense spending is going to uh ukraine which is a whole other subject that we do not have time to get into because i'm hearing rumors and stuff and it's wild
0: um let's talk about something a little more joyous <laughs> okay. um we're going a little long but i'd like you know we've talked we've talked some heavy topics here today um so just really quickly i'd like to just kind of spend some time talking to something that makes us happy and that is what it's 2023 um what do we look forward to the most in 2023 what um what movies, TV, games, pop culture, what are we looking forward to in twenty twenty three? Um I'll start with you, uh uh, Mr. Locke. What what are your what what three things do you think you're looking forward to the most?
1: Hmm. Uh well I tell you what, number one what I'm looking for is the new season of the boys with the um uh, also spin off. They haven't given a date on a spin off on the date of the spin off uh series for uh prime but I can't wait for either one uh boys is some high quality television there and uh yeah I wanna see that um the Flash movie uh you texted me earlier today and told me that I guess Keaton they 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 erased they took him out like I I just want to see this flash movie to get it over with like I I, I want this movie to come I want it to happen, like, tomorrow, so we need to reset now. Like, I need the reset to happen. There's no reset with DC, and I I was talking to some people I work with about it, and it's just, I'm at the point now, I'm I'm becoming numb. I don't know what's happening. Um, I did hear that uh, Colin Farrell, they are filming the Penguin series right now. So Yes, I know that's um, happening, yeah. So we got, I got something to look forward with that, with that, but we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really much it. I mean, today is the last day of NFL football, so we'll see what these playoffs are going to look like. I'm sorry that the the commanders, um, the head coach choked the bed last week with that. And, um, you know, but y'all did beat Dallas today, and that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty awesome. Oh my God, what you got? Um, okay, so so you said you were just recap. You were looking forward to the Flash, um, or sorry, the Boys uh, season next season. Which yeah, that's always that's always a welcome um, a welcome piece of television. Um, so I guess for me, I get the big thing I'm looking forward to uh, is Picard season three. So I've always been a big Star Trek fan. I've always been a big Star Trek Next Generation fan, and I always felt like the the last movie in the Next Generation franchise, Nemesis, was a poor, poor way to end uh, end the series for the crew of the of the Enterprise D and, or E. Um, and I was really happy when they when when they decided to come back and revisit the role of Picard. And I really liked season one; that was a very strong season. Season two was not so great. But in season three, they're looking to do something pretty amazing, and they're going to bring back the entire cast of Next Generation, and put them in and and put them in the season. And it's looking to be like a pretty awesome story. Uh, and oh. from all reports, and from at least, and also from the the cast reaction to the story and and how it's shaping up, it sounds like this is the the send off that they deserved. Um, it also sounds like it's going to be a somewhat sequel to Deep Space Nine, which we haven't heard a lot from them since the end of the series, um, and there's also going to be some Voyager stuff going on there, so I'm really excited about it. Um, that is going to drop in February, um, and it's just going to really be really great to see these, these characters on screen again together. Um, it sounds like there's even going to be some drama, which is great because we never got a chance to see that. Because under under Roddenberry, the rule was you can never have drama between the main characters, and that's changed a lot in the last you know three or four years with the new Star Trek stuff. So I'm I'm really happy. I'm really excited about that. And then I'm also really excited about uh, the next Indiana Jones movie. Um, I really look forward to seeing Harrison Ford back on screen with the, wearing the fedora. Um, I know he's you know pretty old at this point, but at the same time, I think I think every generation deserves a, a new uh, deserves a an Indiana Jones, um, and I hope that whatever whatever comes to this movie, it reinvigorates the franchise. I, you know, I think that, you know, I know a lot of people would, would be unhappy with you know someone passing you know, with the passing of the whip, but I think that if this movie does really well, um, then Lucasfilm needs to start thinking about how do we either spin off from it or look to recast it, do something to reinvigorate it, because I, I think Indiana Jones is just a treasure, and you, every every generation you should get a chance to have an Indiana Jones, or something related and to Indiana Jones.
1: that's so that's tough. Rebooting, that's tough. It's Rebooting is going to be tough, because it's... You know, you said it's a treasure. So then what? They, they reboot it, and everybody's going to compare it to the original, and then they're going to suck it up with all the computer graphics and whatnot. Like, the only way they do it is if they say it there and they're we're gonna go like George Romano style and be like, we're doing this with live-action stunts. <laughs> so we get the real feel of everything that's happening. Because if they do a bunch of computer graphics, man, it's gonna be whack. Well, this
0: here's the thing, man, right? Like, I think we're saying that because Harrison Ford is our Indiana Jones, right? But yes. here's the thing. James Bond has been recast five times the James Bond franchise turns 60 this year. All right. And yes, every year, every time it's recast, there's a ton of people that say, well, it's not my bond, right? There's a ton of people out there that say Sean Connery is their bond for a lot of people. It's Roger Moore. Um, for a lot of people, it's Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan or, or now even Daniel Craig. And there may even be one person out there that says it's, it's George Lazenby for them. But, you know, I mean, the way I see it, like bond is eternal, and you know, it's only a matter of time that we, you know, we get, uh, you know, uh, a multi like a an ethnic bond or something else. Because that's when, nah, I, I have a I've had
1: faith for that. I've I've beat that drum for years with you. I just I've given up. I don't think there will. I think there'll be too much outrage.
0: Well, they got actually. I think there'll be too much outrage speaking, for it. In the last movie. Not only did you get a black, you got you got you got a a black female 007. I mean, she wasn't James Bond, but she was Not 007. Same. She was 007. So I mean, you know, uh, but the fact of the matter is, like that again, that's just a, another great franchise that is very well coveted, and it's been recast many times, and each time it gets recast, it's taken on a new character of its own. Like, you know, uh, Sean Connery kind of you know brought this classing this classiness to the role it was very everything was very elegant it was very you know you know it was in the height of the 60s and fashion and all that you know roger moore brought the tongue in cheek you know made it a little more of what a lot of people associate bond with today with like you know big villains and wild set pieces and weird gadgets you know um both uh daniel craig and timothy dalton brought this grittiness and toughness and real world you know character to life so i mean you know whatever's next is going to have its own flavor and i think the same thing can be said for indiana jones i mean indiana jones it was meant to be a serial right like it was, like the sequels are not meant to build on each other they are in minute like um technically you know temple of doom happens before the events in raiders of the lost ark you know i mean and i know you know so you can you can take that carrier, that character, and jump back and forth in time all over the place because the concept, the the concept of Indiana Jones is that it is just a a serial character. It is supposed to be meant to be an anthology character. So, I, I think there's room for Indiana Jones, and it is not Harrison Ford. It just, just needs to find the right actor for it. Yeah. You know?
1: Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see what we'll see what the
0: next. We'll we'll see what the. We'll I'll, see what they do with this. I'll tell you who I think would be a great Indiana Jones too. Given, and this is a this is a recent a discovery for me. So in the new um, Yellowstone spinoff right now on Paramount Plus, 1923, there's a character on there. I don't know the actor's name, but the character is um, Spencer Dutton, and he is in every way what you would want out of your Indiana Jones. Um, so, and he looks the part, man, like he, he, um, at this point in the stage in the show, he's been hunting big game in South Africa. He's been defending these tourists from dangerous animals that have been attacking attacking these, you know, tour groups that go out into the, into the, into the Sierra whatnot. Uh, but the point is this guy could be Indiana Jones like now. So, I'm saying, like, I mean, it just uh, takes Brennan,
1: big... Brendan Skell... Brendan Skellner. Skellner. He was in name? Midway. Yeah. Midway. Vice. The Big Ugly. Yeah. Indigo Valley there. Yeah. he's he's... Uh, fairly... Fairly... fail. La, 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 la. He's a young guy. Um,
0: <laughs> but he's, he's, he's guy. good. Like, but, in the show, yeah. like he's got that toughness that grittiness like he's got that that sex appeal and he's even got that humor too like there's a point in the show where they get they get stranded out in the in like the serengeti or whatever and they're trying to evade these lions and so they're he realizes that these lions are going to come around at some point and they have to so they go hide up in this tree and um it's a really scary moment for them because like the the lions do show up as well these hyenas and they're trying he's trying to defend them and they're like the lions are but like when they get back like um there's a point where he's like because he moments before they got stranded and before they ended up in this situation like he asked this girl that was with him to marry him right and. and um, at the end of the situation, he's like, well, this is, he's t- these guys show up to rescue them. He's like, well, this is my fiance. Well, at least she was, like, 45 minutes ago. And she turns and says, we'll talk about it in the car. And, it, it, like, it was, like, it was, it was like, that perfect, like, depreciating level of depreciating humor that we've seen in the N.N. Jones movie is that it's, like, this guy would be perfect, you know. So, I, I'm saying, like, you, you can find people like him. To take on their role, and then you still get to have this franchise. I I can't imagine. I think this movie's gonna make all the movie all the money in the world, and I can't imagine that, that Lucasfilm would not come back to this character ever, ever. And you know, like, give put some distance between this movie, maybe you know, three to five years, and you've got they've got another franchise on, on their on their hands.
1: I can see that in three to five years, you know, just a, a reboot five years from now, that'd be that'd be wild. But I mean, it could happen hollywoods on crazier
0: things but all right man well hey i think we we are at an almost an hour and a half so but it's been great catching up it's been great to opening this uh, opening season three of fig and lock uh talk slash fig and lock coast coast uh we know we covered a lot of stuff today we hit some hard topics uh we hit some controversial stuff but all good conversation and uh you know i look forward to doing this with you in 2023 man i think we've got um We got some good stuff coming up.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, we had a great session here, guys. I appreciate you guys listening. It was a a long one, but we kept it flight. We kept it fun, you know, just uh, catching up. And there's still more stuff to talk about, really. We haven't haven't really talked about everything that's happened the last two weeks. It's wild. Everything happens uh, when we're away. Exactly. Uh, We're going to catch up. We're going to hit you guys next week with another one. And, uh, you know. And I hope you guys have a great week coming up.
0: Uh, Stay uh, safe out there. All right, everybody. We're out then. Y'all stay blessed.